And now it's time for another episode of the Performance Improvement Podcast, a podcast dedicated to making your business better. Show after show, we'll cover ideas and concepts that have been proven to add real value to businesses of all shapes and sizes. And we might just have a little fun too. So turn the Bluetooth on, put your earbuds in, turn the volume up. It's time to begin the Performance Improvement Podcast. Here's your host, Jonathan White. Hello and good day. Welcome to the Performance Improvement Podcast, a podcast dedicated to making businesses better. If you own, operate, lead, manage, supervise, or have any kind of influence or decision-making responsibilities in an organization, then this podcast is for you. I'm your host, Jonathan White, and I lead the operational excellence practice of Converge Consulting Group. For 17 years, I've had the privilege to provide support to organizations and facilitate improvement initiatives in many different industries, such as oil and gas, municipal and provincial government, healthcare, manufacturing, and construction industries, just to name a few. With me here once again today is Converge's in-house data scientist, Dave Marshall. Hey, Johnny. It's great to be back talking about operational excellence. What's on the docket for today? Are we going in deeper on employee surveys? Ooh, that's tempting, but I think we have a pretty solid crash course from our last episode. Uh, And for those who missed it, check out episode one, the employee survey challenge, to hear our thoughts on what we feel constitutes a good uh, employee research project. Uh, But today I'd like to talk about something a little bit different and at a bit of a higher level, the core of what operational excellence should be about, continuous improvement. Ah, yes. I think continuous improvement for our clients is really about improving products, services, or processes using small, even incremental, or sometimes all the way up to wholesale changes to achieve optimal performance. It's something we can not only apply to business, but to our personal lives as well. Ooh, I I think I feel a self-help podcast coming on here. That's a good idea. Um, Maybe we can just stick to what we know, though. Uh, So today we'd like to focus a bit on the history and thinking behind continuous improvement, provide a bit of an overview of various continuous improvement models, and have a general discussion around the one model that we make use of uh, and uh, talk a bit about how this can be leveraged in any organization. Yeah, sounds like a plan. But uh, I don't think we can talk about any of this without recognizing the man behind it all, Edwards Deming. He was born way back in 1900. Yes. Um, he was an engineer and a statistician, and early in his career, he was inspired by a man named Walter Schuert, who was with the Bell Telephone Laboratories at the time. Yeah, Schuert had come up with a concept of statistical process control and created a tool called the control chart which is absolutely one of our favorite tools. Yes, love it. Um, It simply shows if a process is in a state of control and allows individuals to determine what is normal and what is special cause variation. Um, So not to frighten anyone away, uh, let's talk a bit about what variation is. So variation is the ups and downs in our systems and processes. So here's an example. If you're driving to work, sometimes it takes 20 minutes, sometimes it takes 25 minutes, sometimes longer or shorter. The difference between those drive times constitutes the variation in your drive time system. The variation can be measured over time, and using a control chart, we can determine if that variation is normal, like everyday traffic, or caused by something special, like an accident, construction, or something like that. Yeah, that's really an interesting example, Johnny, because if there's construction that causes big delays in your normal route, you might get caught in it the first few times, seems like a big issue, so it's special cause variation at that point. But... You know, over time, the construction could go on and on. Like, and on. Like in Calgary, yeah. you know, all summer, basically <laughs> every road seems to be under construction. All the time. Um, and at that point, this variation becomes normal variation. and You either accept it and you accept that longer commute, or you start to address the issue and change a route. 
And you know, the thing is you'll always have some sort of variation in your system or process. It's unavoidable, but what you can do is identify when this special cause variation is in play and you can work to try and remove it from your system or, or right. your process. Yeah, that's right. Um, so after being inspired by Schuert, Deming started to move towards applying statistical control to industrial production and management um, and building on the concepts which we still use today. So keep in mind, this was all back pre-World War II in 1925 when Deming started to build on or put his own twist on Schuert's ideas, um, which were at the time specifically focused on the telecom industry. So after World War II, Deming worked um, in Japan uh, while the U.S. was occupying in the post-war years. And he was actually brought in by General Douglas MacArthur, and that's a name you history buffs will recognize, um, who was super frustrated at not being able to make phone calls in this war-torn nation. Um, so Deming was so effective to get things fixed there that word of his work got around to the Japanese Union of Scientists and Engineers, uh, and they invited him to teach them his statistical process control methods. Yeah, and teach him he did. They loved it. He trained hundreds of engineers, scientists, managers, and scholars in the early 50s, and the message was clear. Improving quality reduces expenses while increasing productivity and market share. I mean, how can you not get behind that? Uh, I think you have to. Um, so because of the way the Japanese embraced his teachings, Japan went from a war-torn nation to a country that was one of the major economic powers in the world, and they had huge levels of international demand for their products. And that's just continued through till today. I think so, yeah. Um, and following this, Deming went back to the States, and while he was very popular in Japan, he was largely unknown in the U.S., uh, but he still helped organizations, and one of those was Ford, uh, to bring them from being helplessly inefficient to exceedingly profitable. Uh, and then he started producing a number of publications, which gained some notoriety from both uh, academia and the American business world. Yeah, and Deming's credentials speak for themselves, and he obviously had some very good and effective ideas. But it seems like the U.S. had moved towards systems of mass production and consumption. Yeah. Um, and Deming's teachings did not really catch on in his home country to the degree he thought they would. And, you know, with these tougher economic times in recent years, I think more organizations can recognize that this mass production strategy of pushing products to customers can be a dangerous road to go down. And efficiency and pulling customers to you really looks to be the future of successful business. Yeah, and, and that's a great point. I, I think that's a good segue into the next segment, which is kind of the thinking behind continuous improvement. Um, so continuous improvement, it means exactly what it sounds like, a, a process, a department, or an organization that is always looking to improve, which means doing things faster, cheaper, and usually with a high degree of quality. And which is really what everyone should be doing That's all right. the time. So while this sounds like a great idea, in practice, most organizations do things the way they've always been done, and they don't consider if it's the best way to do things. And this is especially true if the organization's making any money. Um, processes are typically only examined when a major change in the organization or in areas related to a particular process occur, and even those major events or changes aren't always the drivers of, of improvement strategy. The reality is that it takes time and effort to continuously examine your processes and to tweak them to make them better. And if an organization is making money, typically there seems to be little to no incentive to invest in these improvements. This means that only when a process is failing and actually losing the corporation money will an organization take action to fix the issue. Yeah, and sometimes this is just too late, um, or it requires a complete rework of the process, which is an even more substantial investment of time and resources. Yeah, when it could have been done... Little really, bits over time, yeah, right? Yeah. A lot easier. The ideal situation is for an organization to document their current processes, gather data or collect measurements on the performance of these processes, 
conduct analysis of this gathered data to determine how the process is performing. And well, then I, I like that data. I know, right? <laughs> then figure out what the cause of good or bad performance is. Followed by that, figure out what fixes are going to address the issues and evaluate and prioritize your solutions, and then implement the best fixes and manage the change process and the sustainment of these improvements. Which is of utmost importance. And then after a certain period of time has elapsed, you do the whole thing over again. You've got your new process working now, so determine if that's better than before, what issues are in the new process, what fixes are possible. This is the core of what continuous improvement is. Yeah, that sounds really like a cycle to me. It's vaguely familiar. I would say the Demaic cycle, oh, in fact, yeah. which that stands for define, measure, analyze, improve, and control. And this is the model we use to illustrate to our clients' strategy for moving forward with improving their products, services, or processes. If an improvement project using the Demaic cycle happens once, the benefits are typically significant. But a continuous improvement strategy means that the cycle will be repeated time after time, ensuring that a business will eventually be operating as close to optimal as possible, achieving operational excellence. Yeah, and Demaic's not the only continuous improvement model. Um, that model has its roots in the PDCA or PDSA models, which is Plan, Do, Check, Act, or Plan, Do, Study, Act. And other improvement models exist, such as the continuous improvement seven-step model, which is plan, organize, understand, redesign, implement, learn, and act. But I guess the acronym PORILLA didn't catch on, maybe because it's too close to GORILLA? Yeah, I imagine so. Uh, not, not the best. That's unfortunate. And all these models you mentioned represent a framework that can guide folks through an improvement project and set them up for success in implementing continuous improvement in their organizations. We happen to use DMAIC because it flows well off your tongue, doesn't make you think of apes. No. No chimpanzees, no, no chimps, gorillas. No. no offense to chimps, though. <laughs> and works as a tool to guide improvement because it focuses on evidence in the measure and analyze phases. And we are all about evidence-based decision-making. Yeah, we're like process detectives. we got to find that evidence. So first, you start by recognizing that there's an issue or an improvement required. And this is the driving force behind improvement initiatives, the need for change. Then comes the define stage, the first stage of the DMAIC cycle. So in this stage, we define the process we're going to improve, and the most typical output from this stage is a process map or flowchart. So process maps are like logic diagrams that visually show steps, phases, decision points, roles, inputs and outputs, connections to other processes, things like that. And it really is a good visual representation of a process that allows you to see obvious breaks in logic, such as duplications of work or redundancies, and uh, most importantly, it gives everyone a, a good reference point when you get the project rolling. Yeah, and process maps are also very helpful in onboarding new employees. Yeah, and, and educating other, uh, other employees who aren't involved in the process, exactly. giving them an idea of what you actually do over there. Yeah. So after we're done that with that process map and that defined stage, then we move into the measure phase. Um, and this is all about gathering evidence, it, and it can take many forms. There's operational, financial, human resources data, you can get data from customer or employee or stakeholder engagement. Um, you can get location data, departmental, market. There's, you know, the more data and evidence you have related to the process in question, the better. And he's not just saying that because he loves data so much. <laughs> it's actually what we need to do. Exactly. And, and this data can come in the form of quantitative. So, you know, in spreadsheets, databases, from survey results. Or it can be qualitative, so comments, interviews, focus groups, workshops, stuff like that. So in the analyze phase, we take all of that measurement data, both the qualitative and quantitative, and we conduct analysis on it to determine two main things. 
One, how is our process performing? And two, what is the root cause behind any issues that we're identifying? Yeah, both very important. The challenge is separating signals from the noise and determining what's practically important to your organization. So in this first analysis that you complete on a process, um, you, what you're really doing is determining the benchmark of performance. And in all analysis following that, um, we're determining if the process has improved since the last set of changes occurred. So once we know what's working well and what isn't, we can attempt to discover the cause of issues and address them if possible, if it's in our control, or at the very least mitigate risks and prepare for the future. You know, addressing these issues and mitigating risks is part of our next phase, the improve phase. Right. And here we're looking at all the evidence and the current state process performance and figuring out what needs to change in order to move towards this optimized process that's going to be efficient, effective, and flexible. In short, we're really looking for solutions that will solve problems we have or leverage what works well to make our processes even better. We'll start out with doing some brainstorming. Uh, an improvement team will ideally throw everything they can think of out there. All ideas should be considered in this early stage. Nothing's off the table. That's right, yeah. And once you got a working list developed, each idea can be refined, evaluated, and then prioritized until you have a more manageable and realistic list. Yeah, and then you move to the control phase. Uh, and control here refers to running a controlled experiment, which in business terms is implementing solutions. So from the previous phase, we have many possible solutions, and while the evidence has been evaluated and the solutions have been prioritized, we still need to get buy-in from the organization, both from senior leadership and from the process owners who need to live with the changes. Yeah, so that's really important. Some, some changes you come up with are, are you know, not realistic to the organization, not feasible, so you need that leadership buy-in uh, in order to move forward with things. Implementation plans are a really great way to detail the considerations of making the solutions a reality. Um, the senior leadership and executive have the final say on if they feel that the improvement is a good investment in time, resources, and money, and determine if it's going to be beneficial to the business. And from there, it's all about making the changes and ensuring that they stick. Which is always quite difficult. That's the big challenge. You know, generally, given the option, most individuals will just keep doing things the way they always have, stay in their comfortable routine. It's human and nature. Unfortunately, this is counterintuitive to making improvements and so much care and effort must be put into the sustainment of implementing solutions and the related change management that goes with it. Um, some of the best ways to support a change initiative is just through communication and there can never be enough of it. Yeah, people need to be informed of changes long before they happen, while they're occurring and long after the changes have been made. And when possible, if the communication can be made two-way, that's the most effective way that we've seen. So listen to feedback and build understanding and commitment throughout the organization. And it's usually best to have two-way communication with members of the senior leadership team because that really promotes organizational support from the top down, which is so important. And organizations can also benefit from change readiness assessments and other tools which will identify these potential risks to implementing the solutions without having the proper preparation or long-term vision or strategy. Yeah, there's a lot of material out there on change readiness assessments and change management and, you know, the top things to watch out for. Exactly, and they're a lot of help because it can be really frustrating to go through all the effort of an improvement project only to have your implementation fall down unsuccessfully, you know, rendering all the work you did kind of useless. And it's significantly more common than you might think. Yeah, as consultants, we've run into many cases where we're brought into an organization to start an improvement project. And as we start to talk to some of the employees, 
uh, as part of our initial discovery, um, you, you know, they are understandably jaded because they've been involved in previous efforts that they gave lots of feedback, they've told the organization in their eyes, you know, what needs to be done to improve, and nothing has happened. Um, and all that stems from the fact that the organization, you know, likely dropped the ball on implementation and change management, didn't prepare for it, uh, and didn't follow through with it. And that's really frustrating for the employees and just as frustrating for us as consultants who only want the best for the organization and, and its people. We really don't want frustration for the organization or for us, obviously. And, you know, the, the best way to help with this frustration is to bring in someone like Converge who can help out in all the stages of the continuous improvement, help make sure that implementation actually happens, and help make sure that the employees and any stakeholders are heard. That's right. So there you have it, folks, a history of and a general overview of continuous improvement. I think over the next several podcasts, we'd like to uh, set up a kind of business case for everyone to walk through. And this will be a real good example of how this strategy and methodology can be applied in an organization just like yours. Uh, And our hope is that you'll understand how this kind of continuous improvement strategy can really be applied to any industry, service, product, or process. Yeah, and of course, the best way to learn about this, how this can work for you and your organization, is just to get in touch with us. Uh, So listen for our contact information at the end. And thanks for listening. And Johnny, thanks again. Uh, It was tons of fun chatting with you. It's always a good time. So we'll be back next time with more discussion on quality and improvement in the Performance Improvement Podcast. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time. This has been another episode of the Performance Improvement Podcast. Find Improve Consulting on the web at www.improvecg.com or on Facebook and Instagram using the handle at ImproveCG. Contact Jonathan directly by email at jwhite at improvecg.com or by phone at 1-403-616-2564 to share your feedback, ask questions, or inquire about how to work with Improve Consulting Group to make your business better. Thanks for listening, folks, and we'll see you next time.